Hi, everybody. Hey, welcome to River Glen. So good to see you here. Thanks for, thanks for coming out. And it's good to be back. I, uh, I took a little break, took a little study break. Appreciate the church allowing me to do that and uh, get ready for the fall and, and beyond. And um, I'm, I'm ready to go. Excited to be here and really excited. Uh, we've got some new stuff we're going we're gonna to be doing um, in the next few weeks and stuff that we've never done before. And I uh, can't wait to tell you all about it. I hope you'll be here to, to be a part of it. About a year ago, our, uh, our daughter Taylor uh, got engaged uh, to be married, and we're really excited about that. Some of you might remember oh, last fall, I, I, I mentioned it in a weekend uh, uh, message, but uh, looking back, I wish I would have waited just a little bit uh, longer. I've had several people come up to me this summer and say, hey, how did the wedding go? And they're a little surprised when I tell them they didn't get married. They, uh, they canceled the wedding plans. They uh, ended the in- engagement. And I explained, you know, Taylor's doing really good, and, and they made the right decision. And that's really the purpose of engagement, to take some time and uh, make sure that you found someone who's a good match for you in uh, marriage. And uh, fortunately, they made their decision early on uh, before all the plans uh, were made. Because if you, get, uh, if you end an engagement, um, you know, late, right before the uh, wedding ceremony, it can be very difficult and uh, hard and even expensive. Yeah, um, uh, it reminds me of this true story that happened in Boston. It happened in uh, June uh, 1990. A woman and her fiancé went to the uh, Hyatt Hotel in downtown Boston, and they met with the event uh, manager to, to uh, plan their, their wedding reception banquet. And they selected the menu and the plates and the uh, 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 silverware, and they had expensive taste. The bill came to $13,000. They wrote a check for half that amount as a down payment, and they uh, went home. And then right before they sent out the wedding invitations, the groom got cold feet and uh, ended up backing out and uh, jilting her. And when uh, his angry fiancé returned to the Hyatt Hotel to uh, cancel the banquet, the events manager could not have been more understanding. Uh, She said, the same thing happened to me, and she told her story of a broken engagement. But about the money... She had nothing but bad news. Yeah, she said, you really got two options. You can forfeit the down payment, or you can go ahead with the banquet. And it seemed crazy, but uh, the more the the jilted bride thought about it, the more she liked the idea of going ahead with the banquet. I mean, not a wedding reception, uh, but just a big party. And so, true story. In June uh, 1990, Hyatt Hotel, uh, downtown Boston, they had a party that had never been seen before. The, uh, the bride uh, changed the menu to, to uh, boneless chicken in honor of the groom. And uh, she sent invitations out to people who don't normally get invited to a party. She sent invitations to uh, nursing homes and rescue missions. She invited homeless people off the street. And that night, uh, waiters in tuxedos served appetizers to homeless people and uh, chocolate cake to addicts who took a night off of their hard life. They served chicken cordon bleu to people propped up with crutches and aluminum walkers. All because this woman didn't want to waste a banquet, didn't want to waste a party. She'd paid for the food, and she didn't want empty tables or empty chairs. Question for you. Look around this room, okay, for a moment. Uh, do you see very many empty chairs in, in this room? We've got a few here, uh, don't we? Another question for you. When you see an empty chair in this room, what do you see? You know, maybe you think, oh, that'd be a little more elbow room. (laughs) Or, uh, you know, that'd be be a place where I could, you know, put my snack or my coffee 
or uh, my coat, or you know, it'd be a good place to sit, you know, behind that seat, so I don't have a, so I have an unob- unobstructed uh, view. Today, I want you to see that you know, an empty chair in this room. You know what? It's never just an empty chair. It's an opportunity, and uh, you know, if this chair stays empty, it's a missed opportunity. And I know that might seem a little uh, dramatic, but it's true. God can do a lot of amazing things. But you know something? God can't do much with an empty chair. And, you know, the truth is there's quite a few empty chairs in this room each time that we uh, gather. Now, some people might say, well, this room's too big. You know, there's too many chairs in here. I don't, I don't believe that. I believe God, God gave us this room. God gave us this many chairs because he wants us to fill them with his help. I mean, we already fill these chairs, most of them, on, on holiday weekends and, and special events. And I think God wants us to fill them uh, every uh, weekend. Because if a seat remains empty, you know what? It's a missed opportunity for somebody to encounter God for the first time. It's a missed opportunity for someone to get connected with other followers of Jesus. It's a missed opportunity to mobilize uh, someone to serve the mission of, of, of Jesus. I mean, if this chair remains empty, there's a friend not finding hope during a difficult time. There's a couple not finding, you know, help for their struggling marriage. There's a student not finding community uh, during a time of intense loneliness and isolation. For every one of these chairs that sits empty, there's somebody who's not finding their way back to Jesus. God can do a lot of amazing things. God can't do much with an empty chair. But the opposite is also true. When a person sits in this chair, when a person fills one of these chairs, God can do some amazing things. The Holy Spirit can work in the life of this person, and God can change the world one person at a time. Well, uh, today I want you to look at a story that Jesus told one time. It's often called the parable of the great banquet. But I think we could also call it the parable of the empty chairs. Let's take a look here at what Jesus uh, taught. He says, he says, a certain man was preparing a guest banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on the way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and, and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told the servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my uh, banquet. And and so Jesus says here that that the kingdom of God The church is like a banquet, and God is the host, and God's gone to great lengths to prepare something fabulous for people to enjoy. People are going to be nourished. People are going to get connected. It's going to be awesome. The decorations, breathtaking. The food will be exquisite. The best wines will be served. It's going to be an exceptional, extravagant event. But uh, as I read there, as you, as you heard, as the RSVPs come back, it's bad news for the host. People are busy, you know, at their, their, they're at their kids' soccer games or something great on TV. And so the host sends the servants out two more times to invite people to come. Why? 
Why? Why, why do you think the host insists that people come? Well, take a look at this phrase here. The host says, so that my house will be full. See, the host knows that you know, a party is not really a party unless people show up. A banquet is not nearly as much fun unless people are, are eating and drinking and, and dancing because the host made the preparations for people. It wasn't, it wasn't about you know, the decorations. It wasn't about the food. It wasn't about the wine. It was all about people. And that's why the host says, fill my house with people, any kind of people. Go wherever you have to go to find them. Now, I want to give you a little more background to this story uh, because I think it will help us appreciate and uh, understand the, the point of the story. Do you know where Jesus was when he, when he told this, this story? He was actually at a banquet. He was, he was at a party hosted by a religious leader called a Pharisee. And this party was very exclusive. Only high-ranking religious leaders uh, would have attended. And to the horror of the religious leaders at this party, Jesus healed a guy at the party who'd been uh, physically suffering for a long time. Now, that sounds like a good thing, right? But it infuriates these religious leaders because it happened on the Sabbath day. They, the, 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 these uh, Pharisees considered healing as a form of work, and they considered that spiritually offensive to, you know, to work on the uh, Sabbath. And so Jesus senses their disgust, and he asks them a brilliant question. You know, take a look at this. This is an amazing question. Look what Jesus says. He says, he says to the religious leaders, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? And this is such a brilliant question here. Look at how they respond. They, they have nothing to say. <laughs> they stood there silent. I mean, they're speechless. And the reason nobody answered is because they all knew that they would pull an ox they would pull a child out of the well on the, on the Sabbath day, which would have counted as work, right? But, and, and since they were, but since they were attacking Jesus, you know, for healing this guy on the Sabbath, if they, would have, if they would have admitted that they would pull an animal out of the well, they would have also admitted that they cared more for animals than people. And so Jesus has them, yeah. And, and, and I want you to understand here that Jesus has no problem healing on the Sabbath because he knows that God's heart beats for people. God loves people. And then Jesus goes further and he tells the Pharisees, you know, when you came into the room uh, today, I noticed that you look for the best seats, the seats of honor for yourselves. Jesus says, you know, don't do that. You know, be, be humble. And then Jesus says, I noticed that there's just one class of people here. You know, you're all wealthy. And, uh, you know, go out. Reach out to the poor. Reach out to the, to the hungry and, and invite them. Uh, to, the, to the gathering. Now, all of that happened right before Jesus tells the story about the, the great banquet, the story about the empty chairs, to make this point that the kingdom of God is not just open to some people. The doors of the kingdom, the doors of the church swing wide open to all people. Everyone is in, in, invited. But many people blow off, you know, the banquet in Jesus' story. Maybe they're, maybe they're busy, maybe they're just... Uh, prideful or, or, or feeling different, but some are not interested in showing up. But for God, it's just inconceivable to have this extravagant, wonderful banquet without filling every single seat. And so he says, you know, open it up and invite everybody. Make sure those deemed as unimportant in our culture, make sure they get an, an invitation. Make sure those who are hungry come to the table. Make sure those who are forgotten are welcome 
Make sure the loner at the coffee shop gets an invitation and the annoying person at work gets one too. Reach out to that new neighbor that, that just moved in and the immigrant who struggles speaking English because there's, place, there's a place for everybody at the banquet. God says, fill my house and don't let the banquet get, wa- get wasted. Now, you probably know where I'm going with this already, don't you? You know, every weekend here at River Glen, God prepares a banquet. It's a banquet of God's word. It's a banquet of God's music. It's a banquet for for kids and for students. A banquet that requires hundreds of hours of planning and creativity and prayer and rehearsal. It's a banquet intended to connect people to the host and to bring joy and hope and life to those who attend. And, And you know what? Every weekend, thousands of people blow off. Uh, the banquet, maybe because they're busy or prideful or indifferent, but God as the host, he just can't bear the thought of, of, of his banquet getting wasted, and so he sends us, his people, out into the world to compel people uh, to join us, because this banquet is not just for the religious elite, it is for everyone, the rich and the poor, men and, and, and women, young and old, Republicans and Democrats, Um, novel readers and reality TV watchers, Coke drinkers and Pepsi drinkers, and Packer fans and Bear fans, probably not Seahawk fans, but everybody else, welcome, right? It's for the spiritually strong and for for the spiritually doubting. It's for those that have been spiritually healed and the ones still sick. It's for those who... Uh, who's loved by all, and the one who just feels marginalized every moment of every single day. And so if you have an open seat around you, I hope that you feel that deep within your heart. I hope you take it personally. You know, oh no, somebody's missing the banquet. Because when we understand what's at stake, we feel passionate about getting more people to God's banquet. I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations uh, about this in the lobby. Somebody will come up to me in the lobby and uh, they'll say, good service uh, today. And then they'll say, you know, I wish my, my neighbor, my family member, my coworker, you know, my friend would have been here. You, 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 you ever do that? You know, you ever, you ever have that nagging sense of I wish so-and-so were here? We, we all probably have. Why not invite them to come uh, the next time? That open chair near you is an opportunity for somebody to taste the goodness of, of God. All right, two things really stick out to me about this parable that I think should challenge us today. First, We must take our own seat at the table. We live in this world that provides countless reasons to do something other than than show up here on the weekend. And uh, many times we find ourselves making excuses like the people in the parable that that Jesus told because we've got multiple things pulling us. uh, And we've got to make the intentional decision to take our seat at the table because God, God can't do much with an empty seat. But when we take our seat, we open ourselves up you know, to the wonderful things that God can and will do in our journeys. All right, here's a second big takeaway. God is sending us out to invite people, and he is relentless about this. God wants to fill every chair. I love what uh, author N.T. Wright uh, says about this. He says, it isn't enough to say that we ourselves are the people dragged in from the country lanes to our surprise to enjoy God's party. That may be true, but party guests are then expected to become party hosts. In their turn. I love that point. You know, too many followers of Jesus see themselves as guests at the banquet when actually we're hosts 
to the banquet. We should become host. And hosting, you know what? It's not really that complicated or, 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 or difficult. You know how most people start following Jesus? A host invites them to come to church, and they come, and they, and they hear about Jesus, and they make a decision to follow him. It's really, it's really simple. I mean, businesses understand how this works. They, they, they have a, a similar uh, process. About a year ago, this, this restaurant uh, chain, Chick-fil-A, opened a couple locations around the Milwaukee uh, area, and they do an amazing job filling seats. Incredible. I, I, remember, I remember going there you know, with my family a, a few times, and the line was just so long, crazy long, all day long. And, you know, we had to come back another time. You know how they reach so many people and fill so many uh, seats? It's not, you know, they don't really run a lot of commercials. They don't send out a lot of coupons. Here, here, here's, here's how it works. People eat their chicken sandwiches, and they love the taste, and they tell their friends, their family, their coworkers, their neighbors, you should try one of these delicious chicken sandwiches. And, uh, you know, I know that. I, I know it works that way because my wife and my kids are kind of like Chick-fil-A evangelists. I mean, they, they, they're always talking about how good the food is, and, uh, you know, they have filled lots of seats at Chick-fil-A. And you know what? Inviting people to church is really that simple. It really is. You don't, you don't need to argue or debate with people. You don't need to twist their arm or, you know, have, have an answer for every theology question. Jesus told us to be his witness. What does a witness do? A witness says, here's what I've experienced. You know what? Inviting somebody to church is really about as simple as telling somebody about a delicious chicken sandwich. And in just a few weeks, we're, we're planning to host a very uh, special uh, banquet. We're really excited about this. We're calling it Show Up Weekend. And uh, I need you to mark your calendars, all right? Because we're going to need your help. On September 12th and 13th, we want to fill every single seat with someone who's on a journey to find and follow Jesus. Together, let's fill these seats with people from your, your office, I know it might feel a little uncomfortable inviting people from your office, but, you know, we've got seats uh, for them uh, here. And, and, and your neighbors. I mean, what would happen if, if you and I, we reached out and invited our neighbors? Let's invite the waitress at our favorite restaurant, the barista at the coffee shop, the bartender at the corner pub, because there's a seat open for every last uh, one of them. Let's invite the friends who used to attend the banquet, used to attend, and, and, and maybe they've drifted Away, but something inside them still uh, stirs, and it's the job of the host to draw them, uh, to draw them uh, back. How about family members? Maybe, maybe, maybe you have a family member who's always been resistant. Maybe, just maybe, this time they'll be receptive to your invitation. You know, as we look forward to our uh, show-up weekend, September 12th and 13th, let's, you know, let's challenge one another to fill every seat. Let's not let anything God prepares. Go wasted. Now, we want to make this as practical uh, as we can. And uh, in the chair back in front of you, there's a card that says, who's your 10? And I want to ask you to go ahead and take that out. And uh, let's take a look at that, all right? I want you to ask yourself, uh, who are the 10 people that uh, I can pray about and invite to show up weekend, September 12th and, and 13th? In fact, in a moment, I'm going to give you just a minute or two in this service to literally write down the names of people that, you know, you commit to praying for and also commit to um, in, inviting. But first, I want to I show you a picture uh, of a piece of furniture. This is a picture from our kitchen that's very meaningful uh, to me. Some of you might know what that is. That's actually a pew from a, from a church. Years ago, churches used to have pews um, rather than chairs, 
like we like 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 many churches have now, like we have uh, right here. Church I grew up with had had pews, you know, just like this. And uh, I got to be honest with you, these are not as comfortable as where, where you're sitting right now. I'm glad we've got these chairs. I mean, after you sit in one of these pews, hard pews, they they they, they feel really uncomfortable after about an hour. But this old pew has a lot of meaning uh, to me. Uh, personally. This, this pew is actually from the church where, where I grew up attending. My family attended. One day they, they replaced these old pews and they just opened it up and they said, you know, if anybody wants one of these pews, you can take it. Otherwise, we're throwing them away. And my dad took one. It was much longer than this and he just cut it down and put it in, in the house where I grew up. And so it's got special meaning to me because my dad worked on it, but it also has, has meaning because this church reached my parents. For Jesus, years before I was born, this church in Westalis, um, someone, someone in this church looked around and saw empty pews, empty chairs, and they made a middle list of people they could invite. And they thought of their next door neighbors, my parents, Bill and Virginia Davis. My parents were not connected to Jesus or to church until their next door neighbors invited them to fill a pew, fill a chair. And that invitation was like the first domino that caused the rest of them to fall. My parents filled the pew, and God began working in their lives and in their marriage and in their family. And so about five years ago, my mom passed away, and we went through you know, all our stuff. We gave away a lot of things, but we, we, we kept the pew. And uh, um, uh, we put it in our, in our kitchen as a reminder of what God can do when we invite someone to the banquet. It's a very powerful thing. Invitation, it's a very powerful thing. So who in your life can you invite to fill one of these chairs September 12th and 13th? You know, maybe there's a friend. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a coworker. Also think about uh, uh, types of people that you'll run into each day that you may not know as well, but, but you can still commit to invite them. Um, as, as well. Don't limit yourself just to the first people that, that come to mind. Who, who are the people that maybe you haven't even thought about? I mean, who, who's the last person that would, that would come uh, uh, with you? Maybe they need to go on your top 10 list. Maybe your invitation is going to be the first domino that causes the rest of them uh, to fall. Now, before you fill this out, all right, I'd love for you to turn it over and take a look at the backside here because we provided some creative ideas on, on how you can invite people uh, to join us September 12th and, and 13th. And uh, we also have an invite card in your, uh, in your program there. And uh, you can pick up more of these at the uh, uh, exits, uh, exits to the auditorium and also the Family Life area and the Resource Center and the uh, Information Center. So take lots of invite uh, cards. And uh, again, you can give them to people that you know. But I would also encourage you to use them in creative uh, ways. You can look at the back here for some ideas on how to do that. Let me give you a couple examples. You can, you can pay for somebody's Starbucks in the drive-thru behind you and give, give a, a, show up, a show up weekend card to the barista and then when they drive up and uh, hear about their free drink, they receive an invite uh, card. You can leave a, a generous tip at the restaurant uh, for the waitress and you can leave one of these invite cards uh, with the tip. Now I want to be clear, don't leave this as the tip, okay? Leave it with the, uh, the tip. You can take a few invite cards and put them in creative places where people might see them and, and pick them up. For those of you that engage in, in social media, Facebook, and that sort of thing, let's leverage our influence to invite people. September 12th and 13th, we're going to be posting 
on our church uh, Facebook page on a daily basis, and uh, you can share that post. I, I ran across some research that, that, that said that if your friends on Facebook see something two or three times, it creates an awareness. If they see it four or five times, it creates action. That's what we want is action, right? We want them to, we, we, we'd love for them to show up here on September 12th and 13th. We're even going to have some food and, and fun stuff for kids after each of the services. So like Jesus said, let's go out into the roads and the country lanes and invite everyone we possibly can to join us at the banquet. And uh, let's take a moment right now, okay? Just think a, a, a minute or two. And um, I've got my list uh, filled out, my 10. And I know the staff members are, are working on their list. I want to give you a moment right now to uh, write down some names of people that you're going to uh, invite and, and pray for, okay? And if you, if you need a pen or maybe you don't have a card, just raise your hand. We've got ushers that will come by um, and, and, and give that to you. So let's just, take a, let's just take a minute right now, all right? And let's do that. Most of us, I would say uh, all of us, have had the opportunity to sit in a chair like this. And, uh, you know, I think about how my life is different now than... The first time I sat in a chair like this. I remember sitting in a chair like this and hearing about God's grace freely flow into my life. I remember sitting in a chair like this and just having God just shape my life and redefine my purpose in life. You know, maybe some of you sat in a, in a chair like this and you, and you left the chair for a couple of years. A couple, I'm going to live life on my, my way kind of years. And then you came back. And there was a chair for you. And in this chair, God gave you a second chance and a third and a, and a fourth. Maybe in this chair, you discovered, you know, people around you with the same struggles, uh, trying to, you know, rediscover uh, how to, how to, how to uh, follow and love Jesus. This chair has changed us. It's changed me. And it continues to, to change me. And that's what I want for other people. Because that's what Jesus wants. There was a chair, uh, there was a chair uh, for me, there was a chair uh, for you. Maybe there's a chair, open chair around you, maybe in front of you, maybe, maybe beside you, maybe behind you, for people in your life that God longs to help find their way back to him. Please hear me. We're not saying that, you know, that filling this chair is the only way somebody's going to find Jesus. But it is a way. And it is a good way. And we believe that God has called us uh, to put our efforts and our energy into this as a church. And so let's not miss this opportunity. Let's not let a single chair uh, sit empty because each time somebody sits in this chair, they have the opportunity to encounter God for the first time. They have the opportunity to get connected with other followers of Jesus. Fill in this chair is an opportunity to mobilize someone to get on mission with Jesus. When this chair is filled, there's a friend, there's a person finding hope during a difficult time. There's a couple finding life for their marriage. There's a student finding community during a time of, of loneliness and isolation. Imagine something. Imagine, imagine one of these people on your list that you're praying for, that you're going to invite to uh, show up weekend. Imagine them sitting in a chair, one of these chairs uh, near you. Imagine them nodding their head because something that was said really really touch their heart. Imagine them tilting their head because they've heard something new, maybe for the first time. Imagine them uh, beginning to feel just a transformational love taking hold of their life. Now imagine 
every chair filled with somebody uh, beginning or continuing to find their way back to God. An empty chair is never just an empty chair. Let's make sure that nobody misses out on God's banquet. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for providing a seat at your banquet for each of us here. And thank you, God, for providing lots of open seats here for our friends and neighbors and coworkers and, and family. God, would you open our eyes and our hearts and our minds to people around us that we can invite to the banquet. Give us opportunities, God, and the courage to invite them. God, I, I pray that you'll help us fill these chairs for show up weekend with lots and lots of people on their journey to find and follow you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, every weekend here we have a little banquet um, called communion. And we're going to share that together. The bread represents the body of Jesus. The juice represents his, his, his blood. And, and this banquet's open to uh, anyone. Uh, I mean, if you're new, if it's all new to you and you want to take a pass on it, that's fine. But it's open to anyone who wants to remember what Jesus did for us in the past. But I want you to remember something, too, that communion is not River Glen's banquet. It's not Ben's banquet. I mean, this is Jesus' banquet. We do this to honor him and recommit ourselves to following him. And Jesus tells us to go out and invite, you know, more people. I mean, all kinds of people, wherever you have to go to find them, to come and fill his house. And so let's remember what he did in the past, uh, what Jesus did for us on the cross. And let's commit ourselves to following him and helping more people to find and follow him too as we share communion together.